the Sports Talk with Devin Wade recap. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. What we think so far. Lakers, were they oversold? Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade briefcast. Welcome to Briefcast 23 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. The Briefcast when I come to you guys solo without my special teams unit. And my special teams unit usually consists of the Silver Fox, Kevin Allen, my KTSU Sports Talk co-host, or my brother Biscuit, Jordan Wade, or former NFL linebacker, 11-year veteran, Eddie Robinson, either one of those three. Or sometimes Haywood Jeffries will join me, or other folks, Santana Dotson, for full-fledged episodes where we have a fun time with all the bells and whistles that come with a full-fledged episode where we can kind of argue and debate and have fun with that. So if you hadn't had a chance to check one of those out, I encourage you to check those out. Go back. Go listen to them. We have some more of those coming up. We have hopefully some remotes coming up. I mean, when you are just getting started, things uh, it, it takes time, and there's a lot of unforeseen obstacles, and we're working through some of those each and every day to bring you a great product, and I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I don't know how you found us. want to remind you, you can find us on all, just about all of your podcast uh, platforms, and of course, ktsuradio.com. Of course, KTSU Radio is my home radio station in H-Town, Houston, Texas. And speaking of H-Town, I have a new segment coming up this episode where we uh, talk about Houston sports. Now, I know I have a national audience. Analytics tells me that I literally have folks from coast to coast who are listening. Uh, And so rarely do we concentrate specifically on Houston sports. But I do have a segment that we want to go into in the second half. I want to talk about some NBA stuff. I have a Lamont Award to give out, so that's a whole lot of fun. And we have some music from the Salsa Project. Now, uh, if you are a fledgling artist or artist of any sorts, if you've been in the game for a minute and you've come up and you're doing it big, feel free to send me, hook me up, send me some of your music, and we'll play a snippet of it at the halfway point and the entire track at the end of it and show you some love and expose you to thousands of listeners who may not have otherwise been able to uh, find you. Doesn't matter what the genre is, what instrument you play, what DJ, uh, if you're DJ, hey, send me some of those, some some of your, your work, send me some of your stuff, and we'll make sure we get it on for you guys. Just hit me up on social media, of course, on Twitter at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D, and of course, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. Lot to uh, talk about. Going to get into the soap opera that is the NBA. I've I told you, I man, it's about personalities and storylines almost as it is about the results. Uh, but we'll get into that. And of course, the I'm So H Town part coming up as well. The Lamont Award. Have a good one for you. Going back in time for this one. So with that, let's get started with what's brand new. Brand new, brand new, brand new. What's brand new with me is, hey, I'm recovered from my golf outing. I mean, it's not a quite, I didn't play 18 holes, but I went to the driving range. I'm ready. I've been swinging every day. And so I'm getting geared up. So if you, if you think you have the game, give me about uh, three more weeks, (laughs) two or three more weeks, and I'll be ready to hit the course. Not really, but we'll, we'll do what we can. Of course, the PGA championship got underway today and uh, Tiger Woods, is uh, back a little bit. He had double bogeyed on the opening hole of his round, uh, but came back and shot a 72, which is two over 
at uh, Beth Page, I think is where they are. So, you know, for me and my part on that, he doesn't have to win uh, the PGA Championship. He doesn't have to win any other majors this year. I'm just glad that he was able to come back initially and shut a lot of folks up. Now, we talked a lot about Tiger Woods, and an interesting question came up by one of our guys, Pernell Harvey. He asked me, he said, well, uh, well on social media, he said, well, is Tiger more beholden or responsible to the folks who uh, who help pay his bills and make him money or to uh, to the greater community uh, that supports him? And that's an interesting question. I think you it's easy for me, who is not nearly as rich, <laughs> infinitely rich as Tiger Woods seems to be, uh, to say, hey, no, you owe it to the people. Uh, but that's an interesting question for you guys. I do have a We the People part coming up uh, a little bit later on in this segment. But, you know, interesting question. Does he owe it to the folks who uh, who making money? He has to get paid. Now, again, I, you know, to me, it sort of changes. Does that make me uh, – is this a double standard? Because, hey, if you are really, really broke and need the money, then, yeah, you're beholden to the folks who can help get you paid. But when you become a multimillionaire, no, you are to the people. I, I don't know. I, I, that's an interesting question, and I, I would be interested to hear what you guys think of that. also had an opportunity to watch the documentary, uh, the LeBron James produced and created documentary on Muhammad Ali. It's called What's My Name? And it was a two-part mini uh, documentary on on not a mini documentary but a documentary on muhammad ali i know so much about muhammad ali first and foremost growing up i just he, like everybody else i just loved him loved him loved him loved him then i read the autobiography of joe frazier and that's when things changed in my opinion sort of altered uh, with his treatment of Joe Frazier. And if the couple things, if you really want to know, go back and look at the HBO documentary, and you can find it online, um, uh, Thriller in Manila. And, man, I tell you, that is a tremendous documentary. If you had a chance to, uh, if you have a chance, please check that out. Even before or after you check out the Ali documentary, I think it concentrated a lot on his career, in a way, and, and it used a lot of his own words in LeBron James produced uh, documentary. I liked it. I, I really, I, I think it, it exposes a new generation to Muhammad Ali in that fashion that may not otherwise go and dig uh, and, and research other documentaries, other books about Muhammad Ali. And I, I think it's definitely a sit down with a young person sort of situation and educate them on Muhammad Ali. Very complex guy. You got to love him and his, uh, how he transcended uh, the sport of boxing and just became really this world, this international presence that everyone loved and adored. And I mean, just, you, you got to love Ali, but I will tell you this, he had shortcomings in his life. And I think if you know a lot about his story, especially when it pertains to the Joe Frazier thing, I think it would shed a, a, a whole new light on how you look at Muhammad Ali. I mean, not that it'll fundamentally change what you think of him, but I do think it'll give, uh, it'll give you more layers to this personality and it really will make you look at uh, Joe Frazier in a different way. Cause for me, I've always said this, not always, but I've come to say this, that he was what for what with Ali. Now, of course, anybody you talk about, Ali was the greatest. Of course, he said so. 
that didn't make it so, but he fought in the golden era of heavyweight boxers. When you talk about Foreman, Frazier, Norton, Shaver, I mean, so many guys. I mean, uh, Ernie Terrell. I mean, so many guys that were really quality fighters. Not Terrell's not on the level with those other guys, but I mean, you had guys that were good fighters. Uh, you know, every, any single night they can get with you. Um, I'm thinking, I'm, who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting some other guys um, that were a part of that era. But, uh, you know, just a great golden era of heavyweight boxers. And I'm telling you, man, you go back and look. You can find all of these fights now on YouTube. But if I, if you had to go back and look at one round, I would say go back and not whatever you think of either of these fighters. Go back and look at round 15 of the Larry Holmes, uh, Ken Norton fight. And I'm talking one of the best heavyweight rounds in the history of the sport. Uh, you can go back and look at that. But go back and look at Frazier Ali 1 and Frazier Ali 3, Thriller and Manila. And, uh, I mean, it's just, man, And I'll tell you what. And one, one thing I did not remember as vividly is I did not remember how much trouble Ali had with Ken Norton. I know that I remember he broke his jaw and he beat him, but I didn't know that he gave him hell every time they fought. They fought three times. Didn't remember that. But uh, all in all, man, if you get an opportunity to check any of those things out, but Thrilling Manila, check that out in concert with What's My Name that you'll find on HBO. I went back and ordered the autobiography of Joe Frazier and I'm telling you, man, that left hook. In my office, I have a portrait of the first fight when Frazier decked Ali and Ali was on his way down and Frazier was standing over top of him. I'm telling you, man, it's it's a beautiful thing. It doesn't take you. If you love Ali, hey, you can keep loving Ali. But Joe Frazier was that dude for real. He just couldn't deal with a guy like uh, <laughs> like George Foreman. And, of course, we know what happened with the rumble in the jungle uh, in Kinshasa uh, between Ali and Foreman. Now, I'm going way, way back. So I'm losing a bunch of people when I do a lot of boxing talk. But there's a nostalgia there. There's nothing. Look, I've been to all sorts of events. And I'm telling you, I've been to some of the biggest events in the, in the in the country. Never been to World Cups, not in the world. Never been to the World Cup stuff. But in I'm uh, Super Bowls. I've been to multiple Super Bowls. I've been to other fights. There's nothing like the anticipation for a big fight. And I don't know that if this this generation will understand it in that way. You got a little bit of that with Pacquiao with the the Pacquiao Mayweather matchup that really never did take off. But, you know, little guys are little guys. And the only little guys that really, to me, mainstream dominated uh, boxing's headlines were Sugar Ray Leonard, Sugar Ray Robinson, and, uh, like, those guys of the Sugar Ray Leonard era, when you talk about Hearns, Duran, um, Hagler, those guys. Other than that, it's always belonged to the heavyweights, the baddest man, the baddest men in the world. You're the baddest man in the world if you're the heavyweight champ. And there's nothing like a big-time heavyweight fight because literally anything can happen when two big guys over 200, 220 uh, start pounding at each other. I mean, you you know, I mean, it's just a it's an electricity that I hope you get a chance to experience. It's something different, different than the Super Bowl, different than the NBA Finals, different than the World Series. It's a an electricity. It's because it's real. People are really, really hitting people hard. It's violent and it's 
visceral and it's um it's just gets to the root of who we are and and i tell you you and you have to uh well i don't know if you have to i hope you get an opportunity because again i love the sport of boxing i had a great fight on uh, pbc boxing on fox saturday but i won't get into that with that want to get into some nba talk one to uh give you an update obviously the Golden State Warriors got out to a great start. Portland, I guess they decided not to guard <laughs> Steph Curry. And, hey, man, you got what you got. And, and I'm sure they'll make some adjustments. Game two in the Western Conference Final is tonight. Game one last night of the Eastern Conference Final. And it was Antetokounmpo versus Kawhi. But the supporting cast are the ones that came up big. In fact, Kyle Lowry had 30 points last night. And outside of Kyle Lowry in the fourth quarter, the Toronto Raptors were 0 for 15 from the field. Now, they were in the game, and they really played well, but they lost 108-100. Milwaukee, not only are they the popular pick for the Eastern Conference Final, um, but a lot of people are starting to get on board and pick up that energy that they, in fact, might win the NBA championship. I think it'll be an intriguing matchup. I don't know that uh, the NBA front offices will enjoy it, but i tell you what, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's new energy and new life in the uh, NBA Finals. Either Whether Toronto goes or Milwaukee, it'll be a different dynamic. I We'll see what happens with Portland. You want you never want to call a series over. Durant will not play in game two. He may not play in this series at all. I don't know. I, I hear that Cousins is running. He said he wanted to come back before, possibly before the end of the season. Got mixed reports on that. Yeah, he's running, but he's not looking very good. Uh, but we'll have to see. But it's amazing what Golden State is doing since Durant went out in game five of the Western Conference semifinals versus the Rockets. This team was was unbelievable. And a couple of things I did say uh, last episode, one, well, one thing that I can remember off the top of my head, I said the Rockets would be no less than the fourth best team. And I meant, I said in the NBA, but I meant in the West. I, don't, I think that you're in the top three or four teams in the West, pending a couple major moves we, that haven't happened yet that could happen. But, you you know, when I talked about the Rockets, I said, wait, they were right there at near the summit of the Western Conference. Uh, and whether you believe that or not, I, we'll see if these guys – I mean, with Harden on your team, a premier scorer in this league, one of the best players in the entire NBA, and uh, despite his – Lack of success in the postseason. He's still a special guy. But we'll talk more about the Rockets. You know, I wanted to make sure I updated you guys on the conference finals, which, again, if you're listening to this, you're a sports fan, you already know that, but we have to touch on that. What I really want to touch on is this. If you don't recognize the music, it's Nadia's theme from The Young and the Restless. It's about the the soap opera that is the NBA. And if you heard me talk about this on previous podcasts, what I say all the time is the storylines in the NBA, it's not quite wrestling, but there's so many personalities involved and what move this guy will make and what about this agent and, and who's... Uh, this GM and who are they going to get to coach and it's, there's so many questions about it and it's all really sort of personality driven 
especially when we've known over the last five or six years, we knew that it would be Cleveland or Miami in the East, wherever LeBron was. They were going to likely represent the East because the East has been horrible for years outside of the top team, which was for a while Miami. Well, when LeBron was with D Wade and Chris Bosch in Miami, and then when he went back to Cleveland, in Cleveland, nobody in with Kyrie and without Kyrie. So um, we knew that already and, and so when you have a sort of and you know when you know in september who's going to be playing for the nba finals in july or june then the, a lot of suspense is taken out and we i remember doing podcasts asking like why wh- why should we watch the nba we know what's going to happen well now a lot of this young talent is developing but more importantly the storylines it's always about the next season. So with that in mind, the NBA is full of questions. So a couple of big things happen, and uh, let's get the soap opera sort of going. This week, the New Orleans Pelicans won the NBA lottery and the right to select Zion Williamson. Now the question is, will Zion come to the NBA or stay at Duke. <laughs> so how that came about is you, he hasn't signed with an agent, even though he can. He has until May 29th to return, and he hadn't signed a shoe deal. And so he's good to go if he wants to go back to Duke. And so for a while there, there was a buzz that Zion Williamson w- could spurn the uh, <laughs> the Pelicans and go back to Duke. But I think his stepfather said, nah, that's not a possibility. He's coming out. We uh, we love New Orleans. We're excited about that. Even though he's never visited New Orleans, he, the question was, did, did he even want to play for New Orleans? So that, that was a question. Next up, Zion Williamson could join Anthony Davis. The question is, does the disgruntled Anthony Davis want to stay in New Orleans? Does he want to get traded to L.A. still to play with LeBron? And that clown show that is the L.A. Lakers? Or does he want to go to the Knicks and possibly await Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant? That's the question. Well, you know what? That's a very interesting thing to look at. I don't know how any of that is going to go, but I can tell you this. Anthony Davis, I would like to see him maybe change his mind. You have a new GM. Dale Demps is out. David Griffin is in. And, hey, now you have Zion, you have Drew Holiday, you have guys like Etuan Moore. Just, I mean, they're bodies, but they, I mean, a couple guys that are, I mean, Drew Holiday is more than just a body. But outside of that, not a whole lot that you have, uh, that you really care about holding on to. But if you have Zion, Anthony Davis, maybe you have, uh, you can free up some room to give yourself an opportunity to spend $25, $30 million. Maybe you can add a, a, maybe a Jimmy Butler, maybe a a Rajon Rondo, maybe somebody else that that can sort of bolster that team and make them competitive. It all comes down to what you believe about Zion Williamson. Is he the kind of transcendent guy or will it still take him a couple of years to get accustomed to playing in the NBA and becoming dominant in the NBA? Is he overhyped? I mean, it, it depends on what you believe about Zion Williamson. 
Um, but if you believe that he's the truth and he's everything they say he is, it's going to be very, very interesting if those two are able to play together. Maybe Anthony Davis doesn't want to go to L.A. Obviously, L.A. with the coaching change, with Magic Johnson leaving, the uncertainty, and you would have to give up a number of assets in the trade. And then what if you're New Orleans? What do you do if you're New Orleans? Do you do you still want to try to keep Anthony Davis? Do you want to maybe trade to New York, the New York Knicks and try to get R.J. Barrett? I don't know. I mean, uh, those are some interesting questions. If it's me, I'm going to try to talk to Anthony Davis first, uh, make a case for those two, and really see if we can attract somebody else that can help those two. I think it'll become a lot easier if, if they can sort of court Anthony Davis, I mean, again, he's still under contract for another six for this season, upcoming season. So uh, he can't leave, but you don't want him to walk without giving him uh, without getting something for him. So uh, they have some questions to answer. Anthony Davis has some questions to answer. Zion Williamson signed with Rich Paul. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he hadn't signed with an agent yet, so there are a lot of questions there. L.A. What do you do if you're the Los Angeles Lakers? Uh, you just you don't you don't if you're the New York Knicks, and I know a lot of New York Knicks, uh, they were heartbroken this week. But hey, you still get R.J. Barrett, and hey, we'll see what happens there. But I know if I'm them, I'm trying to make a trade for Anthony Davis, no doubt. I'm trying to make that trade. Um, but I, if I'm Anthony Davis, do you want to the Knicks? Do you want to go to LeBron or do you want to stay put now that you have Zion? You know, I you could really go youth movement if you're New Orleans and go with R.J. Barrett or somebody like that and try to get the best package you can of young players to play along Zion if Anthony Davis's attitude isn't right. Uh, I think you look at – I mean, it all comes down to the conversations you have with Anthony Davis and, and Rich Paul. And I would imagine that Rich Paul and LeBron still want him, but can they offer the best deal? I know that New Orleans does not want to trade to another Western Conference team, so we'll have to see. So as the world turns, we'll keep an eye on the NBA and the soap opera because there's so many moving parts, you know, even theoretically, that it can keep you entertained. Even if the product, if say if uh, Golden State goes on to sweep Portland and uh, both the conference finals are anticlimactic, uh, and you know you can still have a lot of fodder to talk about, a lot of things to talk about. If you're LA, do you think about trading LeBron? He doesn't have a he doesn't have a no trade clause, you know. So there's a lot going on. Where would Jimmy Butler go? Is he still happy? Is Kyrie really going to leave Boston? What is Kevin Durant going to do? What is Klay Thompson going to do? So it's a lot to uh, to look at, and we'll keep an eye out for the soap opera that is the NBA. With that, going to take a time out, listen to a little bit of the Salsa Project, hear from our sponsor, Cobank Homes. And, of course, want to remind you guys, hit me up on Twitter, at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. This is Briefcast 23 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, KTSU Radio, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by 
using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. My name is Caleb, and I listen to Sports Pop with Uncle Dad and Ray on iTunes. Devin Wade podcast. How you like that salsa project? It's sort of the blend of the salsa music and sort of Latin jazz kind of feel with classic R&B music. I had a chance to check out the entire album. And it's perfect. You know, it's a perfect compilation for the summer. You know, where you can kind of open up your favorite beverage and pretend you're on the beach, even if you aren't on the beach. And if you are, it's the perfect soundtrack. So check them out. Look for them on uh, iTunes and uh, look for them on YouTube and, and look for them on Facebook even. Uh, but the Sosa Project, hey, I like that. I, I think I did something else from, I did do something uh, from them before and I think we'll do uh, more from them. But if you are an artist and you want your music heard, I want you to go ahead and send me some. Add, uh, hit me up on social media at Wade's Word and I'll DM you and we can get uh, the ball rolling. So thousands of people literally from coast to coast and even abroad can uh, be exposed to your music. They tune in for sports and they say, well, wait a minute. I like that. What is that? And I'll tell them they can hear the entire track at the end of the show. And if you're a hot DJ and you're looking for sort of a a high profile way or higher profile way to get you to sort of cross promote your music. Hey, we are here for you guys. Well, with that, I want to go to a segment that I call I'm so H town. So Despite the fact that we have listeners from coast to coast and all over the world, I don't always concentrate specifically on Houston. Well, this time, it's sort of hard to ignore. See, what happened when the Rockets lost? It's a real indictment of, of James Harden and Chris Paul and Mike D'Antoni. And a lot of people are like miffed and what to make of this and what will happen. And what do you do when you have two Hall of Fame players and, uh, you know, a great supporting cast and you can't uh, have uh, you can't you haven't found success in the playoffs even when it's sort of handed to you theoretically on a platter well one of the people that commented was scotty pippen here's what scotty pippen said quote i think houston loves regular season winning i played there and they're great fans but there's not a lot of pressure to win championships there i hate to say it that way but it's just how they're bred there now, wow, in quote, by the way, wow, <laughs> quite a statement by Scottie Pippen. <laughs> That's how we're bred down here. So I looked at this and sort of tried to break it down and get out of my feelings about it and sort of give my thoughts on it. In a way, 
I can see some of what he's saying. But on the other hand, I want to give credit to the Houston fans. The Okay, look at, look at other markets. Look at sort of the Knicks or the Lakers. They think that it's their birthright to win. They, they can't. They a lot of times they can't look realistically at what they have and say, "Hey, this is what we are. Let's let's appreciate what we have with the realism that yeah, we may not win a championship." In that way, if you think about it that way, I give Houston a lot. Houston fans a lot of credit. If you, you think about and, and the, another thing that. It gives Houston a little bit of sophistication uh, when it comes to being sports fans. We've lost a pro franchise, and that's a big, big deal. And once you lose one, you get your heart ripped out. We know in Texas and in Houston, there are primarily two sports, football and spring football. We know how I – mean, we remember Love You Blue. It's in our blood. When you rip our Columbia Blue hearts out, and now you are faced with losing a team, waiting for a team, getting another team, then you are a little bit more savvy. You're not as just hook, line, and sinker as maybe other markets that hadn't experienced that. Now, I know Cleveland is a different animal, but Cleveland also got to keep that name. They got to keep their records. They got to keep their logos. And so it was a hiccup for them, but they kept their own history. For Houston, it was a total restart. You rip out our hearts. You take away the team that had Earl Campbell, Warren Moon, and Ernest Givens, and Haywood Jeffries, and Drew Hill, and uh, Dan Pastorini. You you rip away our history, and even George Blander. And, and you take that away, and now you get a whole new team in, in the Houston uh, Texans. And, and so we're not as sort of naive as sports fans. So I think that gives Houston fans a little bit of sophistication. And I think we are also, I think we're not blindly loyal to the team in the way that other cities are. Um, because you, you can look, if you're smart, you know, okay, we've not been able to get over the hump against golden state. Kind of what makes you think it's going to happen this year? I mean, is there? I mean, there's not this relationship with James Harden that there's been with other uh, sort of, you know, basketball players for the Rockets in the past. Whether it's Calvin Murphy, Moses Malone, Rudy T, or Kim Olajuwon and Clyde Drexler, you know, there's not that love affair with this group of guys. And Harden, I, I don't know if it's his style of play or his personality. I don't know what it is. I just don't know what it is. The city hasn't embraced him totally. Maybe it's the lack of postseason success. But I'll say this. Look at the success of the Houston Astros. Astros are balling out. And, you know, hey, we are looking for that team to get back into the thick of things. And I think you see that at the ballpark. They won a championship there. I think it's easy to be realistic when you sort of you're a big market, but you don't have the the franchise and, and basketball and in baseball that's going to just spend an infinite amount of money. You do it depends really a lot on ownership and if we feel like there's an owner committed to winning. I say with the Texans, we have not had an owner that's totally committed to winning. So if he's not totally committed to winning or he only wants to win in conditional ways or if he's moving in a way that I don't think is is the right way, what I mean, am I still going to be like, oh, I demand a championship? Hey, 
that's that man's team. And people, the way we show our disgust in Houston is not by calling. Unfortunately for me, as a talk show host, it's not by calling and complaining about the team every day and fussing about ownership. It's to turn them off. And that's what Houston kind of does. If you are a hot ticket in town, we're there. But as soon as you lose, uh, as soon as you are struggling, and we don't agree with the philosophy of the organization or whatever, we're out. And we have other things that we'll fly kites. We'll go look at, we'll go watch the Dynamo play. We'll, we'll go, whatever. We'll go to NASA. Whatever we do down here, we'll go ride a horse. I don't know. And we also struggle with, are we a good sports town? We're not Atlanta. And I don't know that, you know, I don't, some of the teams in the West are not as fervent. One thing about this, a lot of people, again, this is still a, a city that blew up in the 80s. So you're only on your second maybe a second, third generation of native Houston sports fan. That means there were a lot of transplant plants in the 80s that came in with the oil boom. And those folks came from all over and they brought allegiances with them. Now, I mean, if you grew up in uh, New York and you moved to Houston to get a better job, you still love the Yankees or the Mets or the Giants or the Jets, whatever. You, you still you love your teams. Yeah, you might invest emotionally in the local team, but your heart, your heart is where your childhood was. And I don't, in other cities in the East Coast, you have five, six, seven generations of Steeler fans, or Eagles fans, or or um, you know, you name it. I'm, go go to the East Boston. Anybody for the Patriots? Well, Patriots not so much, but but the Red Sox or, or the Celtics. You know, you have. I mean, generations is embedded in you. Uh, it's been passed down to you. And in Houston, we're not there yet. We're a couple generations away. Um, but again, it, we it split sort of you know loyalty because a lot of folks their families originate from other places for you know a generation ago or so so i don't know i don't know what it is um i just i struggle with that because i know what kind of fans we had uh, with love you blue and with the, when the cougars were doing their thing and the astros and the rockets in 81 and 86 and it's just and really 94 95 it's just not the same right now I don't know if we're in a, a, a really a ebb. I don't know. I, I don't know. In that same vein, I posed a question on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page, and here's what we, the people, had to say. We the people is when I sort of post a poll question, and I asked the folks, was Pippen right in what he said? And uh, you mean what were their thoughts on that? And by a majority, folks said, "Yeah, Pippen was right. He was correct uh, in what he said." Uh, but a lot of people said, "No, he's not correct." Here's some of the comments. Cedric Franklin said, "Pippen was a bust in Houston, and he wasn't here long enough to comment." Well, in fact, uh, Pippen only played here 50 games, and then he was disgruntled, and they lost in the first round of playoffs. And he got shipped to Portland. He was not a good Robin after Batman left him. So uh, Arthur McBride said, I agree somewhat. However, Pippen wasn't worth much when he was here. Uh, Scott McPherson says, if it wasn't for Mike, we wouldn't know who, who even know who he was or is. And uh, I don't know if I agree with that. Ryan McGinty, it's cool to rep your hometown team. In Houston, we've allowed that. Lack of success is the reason. My man Errol said, Mr. Pippen did not have a Batman to his Robin here in Houston, so he was not an asset. Having said that, 
his words ring true. And um, he says, um, I am not for that coach, and I wish him gone. I'm, he's talking about Mike D'Antoni. And I, we, I mentioned this last time. Uh, a lot of folks talked about uh, – they talked about co- uh, potential coaching replacements for – uh, Mike D'Antoni, I didn't like a lot of the names, but maybe Kenny Smith is a little bit intriguing, but I'm not sure about that one. And I think the other one that sort of was a bit intriguing to me uh, was Mark Jackson. But, you know, I don't know. Nothing has happened yet, so we'll have to see. Uh, so keep commenting. A lot of comments have come through. Keep commenting. We may read more of those on the podcast. With that, we want to give out. A Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. And, of course, we know that Lamont was a big dummy. And this week, uh, this time out, the award goes to, and I've been saving this one for a little bit, but it's getting closer, so I, I thought I'd bring it up this time. My uh, Lamont Award goes to the organizer's of the family-friendly Freaknik. Now, if you don't know what Freaknik is, and I never went, but Freaknik was a a big event in Atlanta every year with a lot of young people, college kids and the like. And uh, it was, it was, it was what it says it was. It was Freaknik from all accounts and a lot of, a lot of debauchery, a lot of of free love and a lot of, a lot of youthful foolishness that I wish I would have been able to partake uh, partake in. Did go to the Kappa Beach Party uh, some years and I got a chance to see some of the, some of the stuff. But Freaknik was supposed to be on a whole new level and by all accounts, uh, it was just that. Well, Uncle Luke, Luke Luther Campbell of the Two Live Crew fame, he is bringing back, he and the other organizers are bringing back Freaknik to Atlanta this summer. (laughs) Now, this new Freaknik installment, however, is coined a family-friendly affair. Now, this is from an article in thegrio.com. Understand this, how oxymoronic is that? Freaknik and family friendly. Now there were a lot of families that probably inadvertently started because of Freaknik, but family friendly and Freaknik do not go together. So essentially they're talking about pulling off a family friendly Freaknik. Here's what the grill says. A quote, there's going to be quite a feat given the massive party that's known for its freakiness, scantily clad party goers and alcohol infused parties where people turned up a tad too much, end quote. And it goes on to talk about how in 2010, Freaknik was banned by then Atlanta Mayor Kasim Reed. He stopped the citywide party because it became too much of a municipal expense and it required a large number of police to keep activities under control. But this is the the new one that's supposed to take place on June 27th. And it includes Project Pat, Uncle Luke, DeBrat, Foxy Brown. And uh, this is what uh, publicist Tara Thompson said. This is why Tara Thompson and the rest of them are getting the Lamont Award. Quote, we want everyone to know it's not the old Atlanta Freaknik. And when people think of Freaknik, they think of party and chaos. That's not what we want to do. We want to be a party, but an all-inclusive one. Now, wait a minute. So you're essentially saying when people think of what we call this event, they think of 
what Freak Nick was. Like partying and chaos. But and then now you say, well, this is, so if this is not what you want people to think when they think of this event, then guess what? Rename it something else. Don't call it Freak Nick. She says, quote, I just know about it from the stories I've heard, and there will be no naked girls running down the street on top of cars, said Thomas, who is based in L.A. So you are literally saying that when people think of Freak Nick, this is what they think. We don't want him, uh, them to think that. If you don't want them to think that, then maybe you want to get a, another host other than Uncle Luke, or you don't want to call it family friendly. Maybe you're doing this for clearly you're getting publicity because I'm talking about it, and I'm I didn't go then, and I'm certainly not going now. But I just maybe you're just trying to do this to to really have a '90s style party, but you got to finesse it for the politicians. I don't know what you're doing, but it sounds really, really dumb. And guess what? For that reason, you guys all get the Lamont Award. You are all big dummies. You big dummy. (laughs) (laughs) With that, before I let go. Before I let go, hey man, want to thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, hopefully you like the soap opera theme of the uh, NBA talk. Want to get your feedback, continuous feedback on uh, the Houston situation. Are we good sports fans? I'm sure Saturday morning on KTSU Sports Talk we'll talk about it. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I have mixed feelings about that, but I want to. I can be swayed either way in, in some respects. Uh, but I want to hear from you guys. Saturday, maybe Saturday morning, 8:30 a.m. It's KTSU 90.9 Houston. Google us or go to KTSURadio.com. Myself, the legend Ralph Cooper, and the Silver Fox Kevin Allen will hold it down. Want to thank you guys. Hit me up on Twitter at Wade's Word and leave comments and continue to tell your friends. And uh, gonna leave you with some salsa project. And as always, have a great day. Mm-hmm.